thirai marusi kun langri. Avitrausushaninsi ithanimiu romau, ya imarusi horoma nimohimu. Welcome to Conlanger, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley. Uh, with me down the road a ways is William Annis. Hello. I've been stumbling all over that today. <laughs> I'm coming off a cold, so I don't sound quite as much like Johnny Cash as I did yesterday, but I'll try not to, <laughs> I'll try not to uh, sneeze, yes. into the, sneeze into the microphone too often. I'll just sit here slurping tea. Okay. Yes, that'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, so William is not at 100% right now. Nope. Um, I am doing fine, <laughs> as much as you can be when when there's a baby in the house. So no sleep, but otherwise fine. <laughs> it's fine. We got up very early today. <laughs> um, but um, our topic for today is all about online linguistics databases. So um, William had this idea to do this this show and, because we've talked about previously about walls and some other other like tools online you can look at, but there are recently there have been even more of these big typological databases that have popped up. Yeah, it really and, does seem like in the last three or four years, suddenly everything's appearing. I mean, Walls has been around a good long while, and that seems to have motivated people to um, put things more things up. So even though there's an actual book associated with Walls, and there are books associated with some of these other databases, um, in addition to the research and dissertation or book that you produce, they're now making these things available um, as online databases, mm-hmm. which is... Again, recent and wonderful. Okay. Um, The first thing that um, we want to uh, say, and this is what you have at the top here, is we want to acknowledge that none of these tools are perfect. Sometimes you get weird errors in them. They don't always have, you know, they they sample as many languages as they can as they can and try to get a balanced sample in different families. But, you know, you can't get all of the languages, obviously. So, right. Right. so you can't get everything. So we'll talk about as we do different, each, uh, different one, some of the drawbacks to them, but, um, yeah, but they are still very useful tools. And, Coming to one of these databases as a researcher is different from coming to these as a conlanger. There are all sorts of irritants in walls if you try to do actual analysis on it um, as a researcher that are irrelevant to us as conlangers because we don't care. Unless a database were actually, you know, producing vast amounts of false information, I can't imagine why um, a conlanger cares. For me personally, I want breadth of family representation. If a database has only one family, I'm typically less interested in it uh, than I am is if it contains more languages, or at least makes an effort to. Yeah. But that's purely because I just want to know the range of possibilities. Um, so 
All of these databases are not here to constrain your conlang, unless you want to use it that way, but to give you ideas that you might not have considered in the past. Um, and yeah. some of them, and some like walls, I consider a great linguistics education in general. If you just read the chapters, don't just look at the maps. Don't just look at how many languages have adjectives, but read the chapter that discusses that issue. And you're going to learn all sorts of interesting things. Yeah. Walls is definitely, it's definitely great for conlangers. You know, there's questions about how useful it is for linguistics. I, I can definitely see like knowing the researcher's point. Yeah. I mean, there's the, you could, you can still work with walls, but there's, you know, obviously it's like secondhand. It's not the data itself. It's from sources, but still it's, but that, that stuff doesn't matter for a conlanger. Uh, right. Exactly. So it's, it, 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 it's pretty reasonable. And so walls we've talked about, right? So the world atlas of language structures it just has a bunch of typological chapters and gives like you know either as points on a map or as like percentages how many languages what languages have such and such feature right or such and such variant of a feature like um you know if you go to go to their chapter on chapters on grammatical gender you'll find how many languages have no gender at all, which is most of them, or like half of them. About half. How many of them have uh, sex-based grammatical gender, and how many have not sex-based grammatical gender? That that that's that's the kind of information you'll get from walls, and you'll get good stuff if you read the articles because they give examples of each of the categories they're talking about. Right, and sometimes if it's not clear to you what the categories even mean. Mm -hmm. um, the article will typically explain that to you as well. Right, right. But it's it's definitely good um, as sort of high-level typological working out what your language is going to look like. There's a specific one for Creoles. Um, yes. Apex. Apex. The, atl the Atlas of Pigeon and Creole Language Structures. And it has, it's just, I think, the same software as Walls, except they've changed some colors. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, so both of these have an ability that I don't think it's used as often, is you can combine features. Mm -hmm. So you can look to see what things occur or don't occur together. Um, so for one example, it's fun, is you like if you click um, feature 6A, that's uvular consonants, and then you'll see when you view that page, there's this box with the 6A option, and you can just click in that box, and you can add additional options. So I was curious to see how many languages had uvular consonants and glottalized consonants. Mm -hmm. That is to say, ejectives and implosives and so on and so forth. And it turns out that languages that have none of either are far the most common. Um, but languages with uh, uvular stops as well as uvular stops and continuance um are somewhat <coughs> excuse me somewhat likely to have ejectives that's mm -hmm. that's just you know an interesting thing that could send you off in a different direction if you're working out of phonology and you can do the thing same thing with um 
you know, syntax and word order and various other, you know, number. Ver- I mean, you can combine whatever you want. Um, yeah. it, it, it inhibits certain combinations that a programmer somewhere thought didn't make sense, um, which is annoying sometimes. But for the most part, the multiple feature mixing is pretty fun. Can you um, download these? Yes, the walls data is downloadable in a big, ugly CSV file. Yeah, I think that's the the standard for a lot of these. Um, there's another one I just want to mention quickly called eWave, that, but that is uh, it's the right the Electronic World Atlas of varieties of English. So that one's actually English dialects, and it also throws in English-based Creoles. So that might be not as useful for all conlangers, I will say, as the um, apex and the walls, because the like the feature set, if you look at features, are very much, you know, they're focusing on diagnostic features of different English dialects, of right. course. So maybe it can be useful to people, maybe useful to, if you're making like a future English or you just want to have some like general idea of how much dialects can vary, but um, definitely the walls and the apex are useful for everybody. I just yeah. wanted to throw that one in there. And there's also calls, C A L S, which is the conlang version of this. Yes, although um, much less filled out typically. Yeah, because it's all self-reported by a conlanger, so some people don't fill out the whole form. <laughs> right. Right. All right. So. You were going to say, George? Oh, nothing. So I'm just saying, let's move on to other things. Other... All right. So another one is syntactic structures of the world's languages. I find it has an extremely clunky search interface, um, which I didn't care for. However, once again, the properties list, like if you do something like uh, click the properties then you can look at the article and examples they have there, um, in addition to the list of old languages that has it. For example, and this is something I, I don't think as clearly as I should often, about mass nouns versus... Um, what's the opposite of a mass noun? A count noun. Count noun, thank you. Um, so, feature, you know, one of the features I look at, does an indefinite mass noun in object position require an article? And it turns out different languages handle this quite differently. That's not something I thought about before. And here's a lovely and brief article about the subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 nice. So yeah, definitely the articles are good. I tried to play around with the search, and I cannot figure out how to get anything. So yeah, it's right. kind of the search it's, is it's janky. It's either broken or I'm just not grokking it. But um, <laughs> the the articles I think are definitely useful. Mm-hmm. There's not a huge amount there, but as always, there are things to learn. And it's interesting, like, it's a lot of, like, very specific word order things mm-hmm. going on. So you can just, like, go through options like that. Okay, mm-hmm. so the next one is P-Base, which I'm going to mention anywhere in the hope that it reappears. It has gone missing. The URL that it used to uh, exist at no longer answers. Yeah, um, so... It's it was a wonderful and hopefully it will be back an allophony database, which let you ask questions like show me the context in which T would turn into R. Yeah. Okay. Um, or when would it turn into a glottal stop? 
I pillaged the data from this heavily myself for some software I wrote for myself. So I know that the, self, that the data set was once downloadable. Hopefully it will be back someday because it was a really nice thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next one is Foible. People have fun coming up with the names for these things. <laughs> um, I forget what Foible stands for. I don't know, but it's fine. Anyway. I'll tell you to, to cite it as Foible online. So. Right, Foible. Um, uh, it's kind of like walls for phonemes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's important to note that this combines multiple previous um, online databases. So I'm not going to talk about Oopsid today simply because its data is sucked up by Foible. Mm, okay. Um, and there are a bunch of others uh, that uh, encourage, and they have a lot of data, hundreds of languages, like many hundreds of databases, much better than um, these things normally have. Mm-hmm. It has nice maps. But it does not have a particularly nice uh, ways to search. You can click on the inventories field and pick a language and just say, oh, here's the list of its phonemes. Um, mm. it would, you can have listed out on a long list, or you can just see a, um, an IPA chart, which is nice. You can pick segments, so you can look at all of the languages in the world that have you know M, which is nearly all of them. Um, and it will show you a nice map, and then a really long list of those languages, and it has a super, super detailed uh, feature analysis off to the sidebar. Right, right. It's nice, it's interesting, it needs better search capabilities, in my opinion, at this point. Right, right. And uh, can you, like, combine also with this? No, that's the problem. That's the problem. However, so, Foible is nice, but the South American Phonological Inventory database, Saphon, um, is magnificent. It has this super, super simple um, query mechanism. So you get the front page, and then you get an IPA chart. <coughs> mm-hmm. if, and then a huge list of languages from South America at the bottom. Every time you click on a phoneme on the chart, it reduces that list to how many languages have that feature. If you click it twice, the little box turns red, and that shows you the languages that don't have it. And you can click on multiple. So you can say, show me all the languages that do have ejective T, but do not have ejective P. And there are three of them, and you can go look at Trumai um, and look at that fun inventory. That's nice. I just this, uh, this is what Foible needs, in my opinion. Right, right. It's definitely... Because, like, that way you could, like... like sort out like different possibilities right. here or things and, you know just get an idea for what sort of things travel together yeah it would be <coughs> nice it would be nice for foible to have this because mm. you know this one is only south american languages so right. there's there's you know you get a lot of things but you know there's also a lot of um you know phonemes that are not present in any of the languages so you just miss that and also you know, it's a sample of South America, so there's going to be, like, regional things right. going on there. But it's still great. Like, so if you double-click yeah. on a plain T, it shows you that there are two languages in South America that do not have a plain, unaspirated T sound. My favorite is Karaja, because it is the most amazing phonology I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my. Okay. So, buh. So, so voiced buh, voiced duh, plain cuh. Duh, implosive. Duh, two frictives. Th and huh. Okay, this <laughs> this hurts my head. It's wonderful. 
I kind of I like I I wonder I, like this 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 language is so weird that I even like wonder like I want to read the analysis on it right. to see like um like if there's some issue because it's very odd. <laughs> this thing is weirder than Klingon, so it's pretty weird. And and the vowel inventory is larger than the constant inventory, which is which is that's also weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, so it's, you know, if it's not true, I still want it to be true. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be, it could be, but, but yeah. So, um, Eduardo Rivero wrote a Rivero wrote a uh, grammar in two thousand two. So you'll just have to go to Chicago to get the dissertation. Yes, yes, and find out what's going on there. Yeah, with any of these. Um, Phonology things, these databases depend on the analysis of the source they use, and certainly that's the sort of thing people argue about. Right, right. But, I mean, we're conlangers. We're sort of casually yeah. looking at possibilities. Yeah. It's yeah. not a big deal. Yeah. That's my linguist brain going into that and thinking, hmm, I see <laughs> where someone could have misinterpreted something. But yeah. that that's for that's for other conversations that I I have that voice <laughs> <laughs> okay so um definitely the uh that's that's definitely another one so we've got a couple ones that are really good for um your phoneme inventory right um, uh, the next one you have listed on here is world fauna tactics database so that's your next step right yeah. this one's pretty fun it's kind of complicated. They they give you um, guidance on how to use the site, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, it is um, sophisticated. I think it's a, an excellent interface, but if you're unused to this sort of thing, it's going to be maybe a little overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, this They've done really great for data on this. This database includes phonatic, uh, phototactic data on over 2,000 languages. So that's pretty good. That's almost a third. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's good. So this is going to be full of contested data. <laughs> anyway, oh, well, yes, yeah, whatever, but whatever. it's a good sample size. Right. Um, so to get to this, go to the bottom of the left sidebar, and there's the launch database. It'll take a while to do that the first time, and then you'll get a map and a box floating in the middle of the screen. Basically, you just want to add features. So there'll be a little green button with a plus sign. Hit that, and then you have a... A series of options. Some of them are complex options where you need to add other data. Just for fun, if you're playing along with us, go to um, the database and then click CVC language um, in the menu item. And that's a simple one. And then you can click the plus again and you can pick whatever you want. So I'm just going to go down and say coda equals glottal stop. Oh, okay. And so then, only allowable coda is glottal stop. Right. And then you click the circle arrow thing. Um, and it will update the map. That's not less. That's not as much interesting as the stats tab. So there's going to be a tab on your floating middle box, and you click that, and that will show you how many things are CVC languages, um, which have only a, a coda as glottal stop, and that's three percent of their inventory. Um, just so people know, uh, this this thing this database is not working very well in uh firefox for me right now really? so yeah i don't know what the deal is uh are you using it in firefox or safari safari okay so uh just like maybe if you're working working with that um 
there might be some browsers that do it better than others. Right. So just play it around. Anyway, uh, the, the stats table um, mm-hmm. will list each feature with a plus column and a minus column. Obviously, the plus mean, means it has that. The minus column means it does not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that. There's a legend which explains what the map colors do. Um, and you can add and subtract features as you see fit. If you add too many features, your stats view will be too complicated to read. So be restrained with that. Mm-hmm. But I, I find it fun to play with. It's interesting to explore possibilities. Um, I can't say that it's ever made me select a very particular thing for a conlang. Um, but if they ever make their database publicly available, I might use that, you know, to write a phonology generator tool. Mm-hmm. And it's just fun to play with. Right. All right. So these last three things um, for the phonology stuff aren't really databases per se, but I still think they're useful resources, especially for beginning conlangers. The first one is a great just little site called A Survey of Some Vowel Systems. Mm-hmm. Um, it's written with conlangers in mind. Um, right. And it just talks about the, I guess we'd say the geometry of vowel systems. Yeah, we've talked about we talked about this in a early episode just about vowel systems. Right. So uh, we have mentioned this. It's basically it just shows a lot of different um, possibilities for vowel systems. Right. And uh, it's like. I I think, you know, if you if you just want to grab something, you can just go to the site and like look through and grab one of these file systems too. Right. Yeah. So uh or grab one and modify it. Because the it's uh pretty extensive. I mean like there's always a possibility that, you know, we just saw a language that's probably not gonna be there. <laughs> Almost certainly not. <laughs> because it's crazy, but uh, you know, it does have it ha- does have like Going like up to like languages with like seventeen vowels, right. so it's it's pretty good. And it gives you just some sort of interesting principles of how these things, how uh, how you might split up the vowel space, mm-hmm. um, and why some things are more common than others. Like yeah, I mean, I think I think does he mention like one thing is you can get a vertical three vowel system but you can't get a horizontal three vowel system right uh does he mention that um he talks about those a little bit but he doesn't i mean he's not really going into great detail yeah yeah and that's but, i i think it's i just think it's a nice little mm-hmm. a nice little reference um and the, then hmm? and then as you see yeah there's this great um cbb post called a guide to small consonant inventories which is just a lot of fun mm-hmm. um and it's worth looking at his list and then just reading people's comments. There's, it's not a, a vast post, but um, I think it's interesting. Oh, yeah. He's just got a ton of these, like, okay, under 12 consonant systems. Yep. Uh, 12 and under. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then, of course, I'm sure everyone knows about the index diachronica for known sound changes. Yes, that's that's handy to to take a look at, although uh, not particularly searchable. <laughs> no, no. Uh, for my own self, I went went through and just made something database like out of it, but I just can't keep up with all the changes, so I've not. Yeah, mm. 
be handy to have a, like a searchable database. It would be very handy to have a searchable database of that. But it would be a lot of typing uh, <laughs> to, to get it in. Yeah. All right. So the next tool is ValPal. This is nice. It's wonderful. It's, it's, it's handy. It's the Valency Patterns Leipzig Online Database. That's really unnatural English, but somebody decided ValPal was a cute word. Um, for this, you can download the data, and you will get um, either TSV files, which I don't know what those are, or a, a SQLite 3 file. Uh-huh. So if you know SQL, you're golden. Um, I've grabbed it and played with it a little bit. The database structure is a bit complicated, and that part they don't document. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you have to do a little exploring to figure out how the tables interact. Um, let's, let's let's talk about what it actually is. Right. Though. All right. It, so they decided to find out how valency was managed uh, for a, a small core vocabulary um, for a bunch of languages. So, for example, in the past, we've talked about in other shows, things like verbs of perception sometimes have different kinds of argument structure, things like Date of experiencers. Didn't we do one like what? What happened to the subject? Uh, I th- I don't recall what or it. Where did what, my subject go? Or anyway, something like that. Like that. So this is just dealing with that. How are subjects and objects and various adjuncts and satellites? Where did my nominative go? Where did my nominative go? Right. So yeah, yeah. Um, this just takes a whole bunch of different verbs um, with reasonably well known semantics and just did an inventory or a, a survey across different languages on how to do things. So uh, if you're following along, let's go to the verb meanings tab mm-hmm. and pick C. Right. And this just gives you a, a list of 39 verb forms of how the argument structure is mattered, uh, handled in different languages. Right. So if we look at English, we have a nominative first, then a verb, which might be alt additionally coded for the subject, and then the accusative. I see him, or he right. sees me. Right, and uh, that's that's the the key thing is that uh, it gives you both um, like cases. It gives you the cases and the like the the positions in the sentence right. and marking on the verb if there is any. Right. So, so George, you know Ho Chunk, so now you can look down at Ho Chunk. Uh, and then you can see that the subject comes first, then the object, and then a massive stuff is attached to the verb. Um, yeah, let me the, see. Let me let me actually find it. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. That's, yep. So a lot of these have your normal sort of nominative dative, or, or rather nominative accusative or ergative absolutive that work the way we want. But let's pick bejta, because mm-hmm. that has um, what we consider the subject is in the lative so some, right. some motion case. And and the thing perceived is in the absolutive. So that's really interesting. Right. So go over to the coding frame and click mm-hmm. on that. And we see that five verbs of the, of the set that they had their questionnaire about code the same way. And he, it's... Hear, yeah. know, like, see, want. All of these are cognitive verbs. Right. So it's it's like... Perception and 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 psychological right thing. perception and psych, so that's really interesting. And you could use that, like if you're doing a conlang and you like, I want to do my perception verbs a little bit different. What are some other things I need to consider? Here you are. So, but that's not the end. But wait, <laughs> there's more. So let's pick um, from this example of coding frames that we have yat al, which means to like. So let's click on yat al, and that gives us 
a whole bunch of stuff. It gives us an example of the sentence. Mm-hmm. It says what's going on. And then down a little bit further, it has alternations. There's a causative that exists in this language, and here's what happens when you use that. Mm-hmm. So if we go back to the to the C verb page, um, let's try one. You know, we're conlangers. Noun of accusative is kind of boring, but don't let that fool you. Let's go look at yaki, which is near the bottom, and their verb for to see is bicha. So if you click on bicha, um, you see that this language has a marvelous range of valency-changing operations. It has an applicative, a causative, a middle, a passive, and an undetermined object. Right. I love okay. the undetermined object form because it is marked with reduplication. <laughs> yeah. In in um, Yaki. Anyway, so, and then any of these examples can be clicked on for more detail. So, there's lots of data hiding a little bit further into the ValPal database that is worth looking at to just learn about all of the possibilities for... So, C seems about the most boring verb conceivable. But here we see that there are, yes, many languages just do nom-accusative or ergative-absolutive, but there are a few that do things differently. Japanese mm. uses a dative experiencer for this. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, yes, there's, there's lots going on here, much to be learned, and it's worth clicking on things that maybe you're not sure what they are just to see where it takes you. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. George has gotten lost in some detail. Oh, I'm just, I'm just uh, taking a look. <laughs> stuff, um, yeah, the, the, the learning how to read the coding frames is a little bit goofy, so it might be worth looking at um, some of their introductory material. Um, but it's really great. I would also strongly recommend for new languages mm-hmm. that you're working on, they've got 80 core meanings for verbs here. Grab them. Put them mm-hmm. early into your language and start thinking about how your valency works. Right. Because as soon as you have, like, they're, they're definitely, like, not, you know, you're going to need, you might need more verbs than this. Although, yeah. But... <laughs> uh, languages that have, that have very small numbers of verbs, but you probably will need more. But, like, as soon as you know, like, think, then... You could see, well, think maybe the same pattern you can use for, like, consider or, or, uh, well, I mean, think is, is it think about or just think is, is my first question when I say that. It can be think or think about. I mean, that's another thing is they, they expose some assumptions you might make based on your native language. Right, 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 right. Um, but I mean, like, as soon as you've got, you know, you know, see and hear and smell, I think they have, then maybe if you have other perception verbs that you're including, uh, then you might have, like, maybe see and notice would have sort of the same pattern. Right. That kind of stuff. So it's it sort of gives you a basis to go off of. Right. Um, and, and again, as I've, you know, mentioned before, there are very, lots of alternations going on here that they also bothered to ask about. Now, not all languages have them, and not all of those that have them even have examples, but it's still definitely worth um, checking into to think about the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, right, and yeah, start with those basic verbs, because 
they're going to uh, determine how the rest of the language verbs work. Okay, next is clicks. Yes, I yeah. love clicks now. Click, click. Yeah, you do. You, and he only learned about it today. That's the database of cross-linguistic colexifications. And this is this is one that's really easy to to get into mm-hmm. too. Uh, now you, this is based on work. Um, I forget the guy's name. Um, I had used early versions of this data um, for a bunch of the maps in my Conlanger's Thesaurus. Um, but this is a nicer way to interact with it. So clicks, the front page is kind of, it has pretty pictures, but it's kind of dense. You want to go to the browse option. Mm -hmm. And then there'll be a little form, uh, for concept, um, view, and then an okay button. So go to the concept and let's go with C again. So once you type C, you will see that there are four items in their database that they know. Seed, seek, see, and seem. So we're just going to pick C and leave the view alone on CommunityNet for now and click OK. Mm-hmm. And then a little thing will zoom into the screen, which will show you um, how frequent C is used. The word for C also codes other things that are different in some languages. So this has to do with polysemy, words that mean multiple things. So there are plenty of languages in which C and look at are the same item. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so you get, you get a nice graph here that shows that see and look at are quite frequently the same thing. See and find happen sometimes, um, especially it looks like Austronesian languages. Um, and see and meet um, also is moderately frequent. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas to look at and meet um, has a single example. So... You click C, this little thing pops out, and you have these words connected by lines. If you hover over the word, you will get some additional data um, related to other data we'll see in a moment. And if you click over the line, it will show you a long list of languages in which that um, occurs, what family they're in, and uh, what the word is. Right. So there's a lot of great data here, and a tiny little map uh, showing you what's going on as well. Yeah. So mostly you're going to want... So what this is, this is... You can use this multiple ways in a conlang. One, you can decide that in my language, C and find are simply going to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. You can have, as a historical process, you can say, okay, this word means C here in the early stage of the language, but in a later stage of the language, it will mean something else. And you can just start moving out along these lines to do that. Or, as another historical thing, you might say, okay, this word means C um, by itself, but in some compounds, it also means look at. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are multiple ways to do this, and I've talked about, you know, the Conlanger's thesaurus before and how to use that, and this applies, um, all of that applies to this as well. Yeah, if you like using the Conlanger's thesaurus and looking at the maps in there, this basically you can generate the maps on the fly in here and just get a bunch of them. You you might want to be cautious because occasionally you get odd bugs in it. But, there there uh, is a bug. So if you look up, um, if you type sow s o w, yeah, as in sow seed, and view, get the community view of that, there's a hilarious bug. Um, yeah, because it includes both sow as in the plant and sow as in the pig. 
Right, because so they're, it ends they're, up they're, because they're spelled identically. The database grabs them both, so you get a very improbable. Um, <laughs> Somehow, it, it can mean plant. It can also mean pig and boar, which is obviously a spelling error. I told them about this, and they're going to make a change to the database to yeah to fix that. So be on the lookout. For those. <coughs> but, uh, uh, most of the time, it it makes makes uh, plenty of sense. So yeah, right. Um, um, it, the thing offers two views. One's called a subgraph view, or a community view, and one's called um, a subgraph view. The subgraph view can sometimes produce a map that basically fills the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's more interesting for sort of like deeper or more radical changes over time. Uh, but if you like do it for C, you'll just get a jumble. Let's let me uh, uh, change it to subgraph. Subgraph. Okay. And voila. Uh, it's not available. Really. It doesn't allow me to do it. <laughs> well, I get an enormous giant map um, that has words that it, it the oh now it's doing it yes oh yeah it's um yeah it's kind of huge it's, um, it's and, really and this much. is basically um, bringing together some of those more marginal collections and you get this gigantic um, collection yeah <coughs> if you also um, another thing if you instead of doing the the browse you go to query and you go to like um, all links. You can get these things as a list too, right? Um, so it depends on if you if you like to look at the list. That's that that's a handy thing to do. The I think the 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 browse is handy as a, like a visual thing of like oh I have this map right. I could go like. From this point to this point to this point, um, but uh, I think this is like my new thing that I will be looking at when I'm uh, making vocabulary. There's a, a thing of they have their core concepts, right? Right. So, so you won't you won't find everything. Right, and the 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 clicks database is generated um, automatically. There are a bunch of databases um, and data that existed because of the. Um, another database of uh, frequency of word borrowing, uh-huh. which I've not included here because that's less interesting to me as a conlanger. And they use that to generate these maps automatically. Um, so yeah, it's only this like 2000 word uh, list uh, that they're basing this database on. Yeah. And like some things you don't get much, like I just looked up sugar and it just says it, there's four languages where it's the same as sugarcane. Okay. Which, you know, that's useful, but I think, you know, it, you know, I, I would want to like, uh, I, I know because I recently added a word for sugar. A big thing is like a huge number of languages just borrowed it. Right. Um, (coughs) from Sanskrit or from Arabic, which borrowed it from Sanskrit or, and so it's, it's, it's going to be hard to get any, get much of it much um from that particular word so it just depends on like what word you're looking for uh but still a lot of these are are fairly yeah. core core bits of vocabulary so yeah they're a useful starting place yeah it's 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 yeah definitely a useful starting place so similar to this is a database called stead S T E D T from Berkeley. I don't. I don't remember what that means. Um, 
And this also has a long list of uh, concepts and words in them and what they are in different um, Sino-Tibetan languages. So mm-hmm. this is similar to clicks, but uh, curated differently and focused entirely on Sino-Tibetan languages. Mm-hmm. So the the page that we have linked here will take you to a long list. The most interesting ones um, will have large numbers in the the number of edema column, obviously, um, and the ones with the flowchart will have things that look like the the maps that you see in clicks. Now, the website is broken, which I told them about this, is normally the page should show you an image of the semantic map, but instead you get a broken image box. Yeah. If you click on that, you'll still be given a uh, PDF. Okay. Um, so you can still see the map if you want. I, for some reason, picked the etymol uh, for uh, earwax, uh, which is polysemous with snot in some languages. So that's something I didn't know before. <laughs> um, so again, lots of interesting polysemies uh, focused on the Sino-Tibetan region. Right. And then finally, in the same sort of thing, is a project, of, a database of uh, semantic shifts. This is useful. Right. This is, again, same idea, polysemy, meanings that change over time. So if you go to the front page, I've given you... Um, ID number four is to taste can interchange with to try to attempt. Right. So if you go to the far right and do the show, um, it will give you examples from the language. And they classify whether it's just a polysemy. So apparently onja in Swahili can mean to taste or try. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also have derivations where there's some root in common uh, even though the actual words are different. Right. And that's that's, re- that's really important to think about, is sometimes polysemies only show up in compounds or derivations um, and not in just how the word is used in day-to-day life. Right. You don't want to be, like, making... just, like, piling on polysemy into one word root. You also want to do derivation and stuff to... To make things more interesting. Right, and it's pretty common for a word to have one meaning by itself and um, a larger or smaller range of meanings when in compounds. Right. Which reflects, you know, an earlier stage of the language. Mm-hmm. Um, f- this database is pretty fun. Um, in addition to just having actual words, um, it does a concept thing. Um so if you click on the meanings tab, you'll see that it starts with a bunch of items that are in uh, angle brackets. Mm-hmm. And those mean that the word, uh, one example, for example, is bird. Square The angle brackets bird mm-hmm. means that, uh, let me search here for the bird. Um, it means that different words for bird are polysemous with Words for people who talk too much. <laughs> so, or a talkative person. It may be a different bird in different languages. English apparently uses J. Um, uh, the Icelanders use a kind of gull. Uh, parakeet, perico, can be a babbler in some varieties of Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Turkish uses J, and so on and so forth. So, it's not just, oh, the word for crow means chatterbox because Italian's there. It has this, it, it 
there's a little bit more thinking in this, is that lots of different words or different languages like to pick some noisy bird um, to represent people who talk too much. Um, another one, really? Apparently I'm, some words for bird is also related to the word for freckle. Yeah. I don't, uh, now I can't, like, I don't know what's going on, but I can't get into the information that you're talking about. Um, if you go to the uh, semantic shifts uh-huh. tab and uh, hit search, uh-huh. and then meaning A, it's a huge list and you'll need to bring that down and pick bird there. Don't click, pick any of the other stuff and then just hit search, and then you'll get the different options on the bottom. Okay, so yep. talkative person, bastard, freckle. Yep. The freckle one seems to be confined to the Balkan area. Okay. Lithuanian, Romanian, Ukrainian. I guess Romanian's not really Balkan. That's a good deal. Anyway, so the Balkan Slavic area. Anyway, so their data is pretty um, solid in the sense that they give you the extra data you care about. Um, I prefer to pick ones with lots more examples. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Accepted realizations. If that has a bigger number, then I'm typically happier. Lots of languages from the old Soviet sphere are very well represented. Mm. Um, and the further away you get from that, the less well represented languages are. But there's a good um, cross-linguistic uh, coverage in general. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's it for databases that I found especially interesting. Yeah. So that's, yeah, and that's, I think, about all we can wrap up. We can do and wrap up uh, the, like, uh, this This stuff is actually helping me, too, because, like, the, the clicks and the semantic shifts database are tools I'm going to use now. Because before I was looking at the Conlanger Thesaurus and uh, the thing that I still made do is look at Wiktionary. Uh, it's not designed for this kind of thing. Yeah. But you can look up a word on, on Wiktionary and you'll get, you can get like a bunch of translations and then you click through and see like what do those translations in other languages mean? What are etym- the uh, etymologies and stuff? But like, I think that I'm going to uh, push aside that more now and just do that when I can't find something in clicks right. or or in the semantic shifts or, or something because, um, you know, it's great, you know, if they I don't find the word in those ones, then I might be able to find some information. But... Uh, there but, are uh, there are a bunch of um, lexical maps in the thesaurus that I wrote that um, are not from clicks. So there's still right. going to be some data there that's not in clicks. I'm certainly not going to add any clicks data anymore to um, the Conlanger thesaurus just because it's more conveniently available in, in the clicks database. Yeah, it's easier. It's easier to look at clicks. Yeah, and um, and so this is going to change the way I do some of my lexicon. Yeah, don't go bonkers, though, right? It becomes really easy when you first discover these things. Like, I'm going to make this one word mean seven things. Um, right. And like, I, I think what I can recommend is don't, don't like, take the clicks map and just, like, make one word mean the entire map. <laughs> right? Because that would be crazy. 
I mean, you know, you could, it, it could happen theoretically, but more likely, like, you could pick one or two of those, and then you could also, like, go and get your creative juice going and see, well, I mean, you know, maybe I can put this other meaning onto this word, because, again, clicks is not exhaustive of all languages. Right. And there's a lot of polysemies that will only occur in one language. Right. So you still, you know, want to, like, take a look at this as an inspiration and as a tool. But you can also just go a little bit crazy on on your own, do do your own stuff with it. Yeah. Clicks, yeah, Clicks is wonderful. I'm surprised I've never told you about it before. It's a great tool. I think you, yeah, I think the first you mentioned it to me was uh, when we met with the Madison Conlangers this month. Oh. <laughs> and then uh, and then I forgot the name of it until now. So, okay. um, Yeah, if there are any that we're missing, please comment and let us know, because I'm always happy to hear about these nice big, these big databases. And new ones are occurring fairly regularly. Anything else we need to say, George? Uh, not really. I think we're good. Okay. Um... Uh, I will say, like, these are different, but um, I, I'll say, you know, all of these tools are, you know, things to give you inspiration. You don't have to feel constrained by them, right? Right. As as William said at the front. And you don't need to, um, like I was just saying, you don't need to, like, use these to promote, like, a kitchen sink semantics and, like, throw a whole map into one word. Um, it's, but that it's, might be fun. <laughs> you just get a lot of really weirdly broad words in the language. That would be, it might be fun. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, honestly, I mean, we don't use words by themselves. We use words with other words and it might be quite clear very often based on the argument structure. Dun, 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 um, what what meaning is intended? Anyway, yeah. Right. Someone else but, will do that experiment this week. <laughs> well, but um yeah. If if you if you deliberately want to just do that, then sure. Tell us that. about it if you think it succeeds. Yeah. But uh otherwise it's just it's just a thing to look at to see what's what's possible and what's probable. And I mean like you you know, the see and look at thing. You see that, you see, okay, this is really common. I can just use this. Yep. Um, so it's, they're, they're very useful tools for people to look at these things and look at them in more languages than you would usually, than any one conlanger knows on in their own head. So. Right, right. Okay, so with all of that, I'm going to say thank you for listening and happy conlanging. Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find our archives and show notes at conlangery.com. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash conlangery. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and on Tumblr now. All of those you just find Conlangery. Our web space is provided by the Language Creation Society. Our theme music is by Null Device. And our new site was designed by Bianca Richards.